This week on Inside Motorsport, we look back at the final round of the Formula One season, we look at the V8 supercars coming up this weekend, and perhaps even talk a bit of Wakefield Park. I hope you'll stay with us. Lachlan Mansell joins us on the line, and Lachlan, it was Wakefield Park finishing off the Super Truck Series last weekend. Indeed, it was the last race meeting of the year at Wakefield Park and the final round of the 2014 Australian Super Truck Championship and the end of the 26-year drought for Frank Amoroso, who has been racing in trucks since they started in Australia way back in 1988 and finally managed to win the championship. Very emotional victory for Frank Amoroso. And whilst we're talking about championship victories, Lewis Hamilton has picked up his second world championship. He took it out by winning the race, which was controversially worth double points. And his teammate, Nico Rosberg, who was the only driver who came into that weekend with any chance of beating Hamilton, ended up finishing outside of the points due to a energy recovery system failing with his Mercedes-Benz. So in the end, it ended up being a fairly comprehensive championship victory for Lewis Hamilton. And you have to say that he is a deserving champion because... He's won a lot more races than any other driver this season. But while it was um, all Mercedes at the front of the seal, let's not forget that it was also a very impressive performance from our own Daniel Ricciardo, who managed to finish third in the championship in his first season with Red Bull Racing, took three Grand Prix victories throughout the season and comprehensively outclassed his teammate Sebastian Vettel. Quite possibly the first time a teammate has beaten Vettel in Formula One. It is the first time that a teammate has beaten Vettel in Formula 1 over a championship season. And to put things into perspective here, Michael Schumacher won his fourth world championship back in uh, 2001. So it would have been like somebody coming into Ferrari um, and beating Michael Schumacher, who at that time was the dominant driver in the world. This year has been... Plagued with controversy, the, of course, double points final round, which has been dropped for next year. Also, we had the new engines. We had, whilst there was complaints about the cars didn't make much noise, they seemed to be immeasurably better at racing. We had some cracking races this year, um, particularly the ones where Ricardo won tended to be the more entertaining ones. At other times, the Mercedes were in class of their own, but the battling amongst the midfield runners was certainly very entertaining, but let's not forget that it was marred by the terrible crash for Jules Bianchi for the Marussia team at the Japanese Grand Prix. And as we speak, Jules Bianchi is still very much in a critical condition, so we do wish him all the best for his ongoing recovery and rehabilitation. Yes, and uh, it's interesting that we have had uh, another accident this week which uh, looked absolutely terrible when the... A Porsche of Mark Webber at Interlagos went careening into the wall. Yeah, in the final round of the World Endurance Championship at the Interlagos circuit there in Brazil. And um, it looks like Mark Webber had contact with one of the slower cars. That's one of the things that you do see in multi-class endurance racing is that there is a large discrepancy in speed between the faster and the slower cars. And Looks like Mark Webber clipped the slow of Ferrari and then had a very heavy impact with the wall. It looked absolutely frightening um, and he did have to be extricated from the car by the recovery teams. But the news um, as far as Mark Webber's condition after that incident has been very positive so far, which is the 
good news. Mm. It, it's a championship that ebbs and flows with interest in mainstream motorsport followers. It has a, a very popular interest in amongst enthusiasts, but uh, it seems like the Le Mans prototype-style racing is on the up again. Yeah, well, in terms of its appeal to motorsport spectators, I suppose it's like comparing test cricket to one-day cricket, isn't it? They are long races. They do require people to have a long attention span to understand how it all plays out. But for those people who, who do like the more technical aspects and strategic aspects of motor racing, they're absolutely brilliant and I think with the new technology that's coming into a lot of the cars with hybrid systems etc that's um, certainly strengthened its appeal as well particularly amongst car manufacturers who are now starting to get more involved in that series as a way of exploiting and demonstrating their efficiency technology. The series we've been talking about Formula One and World Endurance Championship are both using hybrid vehicles Formula One was absolutely plagued at the beginning of the season by complaints about noise, whereas the endurance cars don't seem to have those sorts of complaints. No, and I think that's because the public are a bit more accepting, I suppose. The World Endurance Championship cars traditionally haven't been all that loud, so um, it's sort of something that the, the paying punters are used to, whereas with Formula One, part of the appeal of Formula One historically has been that the cars make a lot of noise and with the move to the turbocharged V6 engines this year that a lot of that appeal's been lost. We talked about two Australians overseas. A third Australian that's done remarkably well this year overseas is Anton Di Pasquale. He of course uh, was racing Formula Ford last year in Australia but has gone over to Europe and staked a claim for his future heading hopefully towards Formula One as well. Yeah well he was dominant in the uh, Northern European Formula Renault 1.6 Championship. Um, and I think we saw it coming. We saw just how good he was here in Australia when he raced Formula Ford. And in fact, I was fortunate enough to call his very first race victory in Formula Ford at Winton back in 2012. Out of the Australians who are currently overseas, Di Pasquale is probably the one you would have to say after Daniel Ricciardo most likely to make it to Formula One. Now, I know that that's a big call when you've got other very talented Australian drivers like Matthew Brabham, for example, but I think Brabham's probably more focused on IndyCars. Deep Pasquale, by heading over to Europe, is um, seemingly on the right pathway to making it to Formula One. And, of course, if you go well in one of those Formula Renault series, then you do tend to attract attention from the likes of the Red Bull Junior Development Program. So if Dee Pasquale can get a gig in one of those types of programs, then he could be well on his way to being the next Aussie in F1. Mm. Well, back here locally, you are heading down. You're talking about long races. HQs for four hours at Winton this weekend is going to be a long race by comparison to what they normally experience. Yeah, it's an annual event that they have at Winton, the HQ 4-hour, which is actually split into two two-hour halves, one on the Saturday and one on the Sunday. And some very good drivers competing in it this year, including the 1987 Bathurst winner David Skippy Parsons, who was part of Peter Brock's ninth and final Bathurst victory back in 1987. So, yeah, it's a competitive field, the HQs, and looking forward to uh, their 4-hour. In Sydney, of course, the V8 Supercars wrap up Air Championship. I've facetiously called it the Ambrose 500 because with Jamie Wincup having wrapped up the championship, 
a lot of the attention has turned towards the Australian driver who has spent the last nine years in NASCAR coming back. And really, all he's trying to do is just get all the bugs out of the system in a race meeting situation before he goes to Clipsal next year. But it's certainly been built up as the uh, second coming. It's seen almost maybe hysteria, hasn't it, around Ambrose's return to Australia? I don't think I've ever seen so much attention around a media ride day or a test day in my life. Just the, the saturation, the live updates that were coming through from both the Lakeside and Queensland Raceway last week when Marcus Ambrose stepped back into a V8 supercar for the first time was bordering on insanity, to be honest. But, um, yeah, in many ways, it's a good thing that he is racing at Sydney because, as you say, with the championship already wrapped up by Jamie Wincup for this year, I think a lot of people... Uh, as um, unfair as it is for Jamie Wincup, who has been the class act once again this season. A lot of people are getting born with the fact that he's winning all the time, so it's good to have that extra point of interest there with Ambrose making his return. Now, who's going to finish second? Can Craig Lowndes, Jamie Wincup's teammate, hold off the FPR Pepsi Max Falcon of Mark Winterbottom? Um, it's going to be interesting, and I think the other name that you can't rule out there too is Shane Van Gisbergen, because he's well within striking distance, and the strength of both Van Gisbergen and the Techno Auto Sports team has been at street circuits. Um, Van Gisbergen's been very fast at Sydney in the past as well, so um, I reckon he's a real shot at finishing second in the championship also. Well, Lachlan, always a pleasure to catch up with you and look forward to speaking to you again soon on Inside Motorsport. Cheers, Craig. Thanks for having me. Inside Motorsport is produced by Thunder Media for the Community Radio Network.